my partners and I are on every single customer text message that comes through the company. So I'm getting texts all day long from customers that I can just like, if I need to jump. Why would you do that to yourself? Board of directors at Feast, customer advisor at Thanks, advisory role at Coco Robotics, best blackjack partner around in America, titled as Zagat's 30 under 30 and QSR's Young Leaders to Watch, and Lunchbox Top 30, hottest brand winner 2023, and president and co-founder of Sweetfin, Seth Cohen. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm joined by my power of coffee at this point today. I love it. I love it. All right. Tell us about Seth before 2013, before the first location. Who was Seth before that? Is he as awesome as the human we know today? Seth pre-2013 grew up in LA, never left California. In fact, never left Los Angeles. Decided to take my talents to USC where a lot of my family went. I just loved the school growing up. And while I was there, I just jumped right into kind of this world of business or what I thought the world of business was, joined Marshall, did the entrepreneurship program at USC. I think my first business was shuttling students from campus and at LMU and other local college to like different parties in Hollywood. And that was kind of like the first way in which I made some real money and then started throwing some events and always had interesting internships during college. One was during the great financial meltdown of 2008, I was interning as an analyst at Wachovia Security, so kind of got a little bit of a finance background, then pivoted to work for the president of global venues at Live Nation, just to, to get more of an entertainment and live venues background as well. And then I was slated to work at Live Nation right when I was graduated, but the economy literally melted down, ended up Ticketmaster ended up buying Live Nation and I was out of a job. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was always into cooking and hospitality and I always wanted to build a scalable business within the food world. And that was just something I was always passionate about. So came up with the idea with my friend from USC, Brett, who ended up being my co-founder for Sweet Fan. We had a whole list of different concepts that we were thinking about starting but we wanted to do something that was really unique in the fast casual space. We saw the fast casual movement really taking place during that time, the rise of Chipotle and Sweetgreen and Shake Shack and many others. But everyone seemed to be doing the same thing. It was always burgers and pizza and salads. And being from LA, just eating sushi and raw fish was something that was part of my diet my whole life. And I'd had poke quite a few times in Hawaii. And Brett had, had poke in, and we were just kind of drawn by this category that didn't exist. Um, we were really curious to know why no one had ever scaled raw fish before there was in a chain of sushi restaurants really at the time and we thought this would be the perfect way to go ahead and scale this category so it just checked off everything that i wanted to do from being healthy customizable it was great for portability delivery it fit into kind of the, this asian flavor box that again it was just something that was starting to get really popular in the food scene and we thought it was a great idea so we took the plunge so to speak and built a little team and became really the first standalone poke concepts in a brand new category outside of Hawaii and very soon after we I think we ignited a movement around the US and really around the world of this poke category that exploded a few years thereafter. Until right now, I didn't realize that you guys started that category. That is awesome to hear. And something else you guys have done that is not very common, which is your concept is chef-driven, right? How did that go? How did you do that? How did you accomplish that? And you had so many different skills during college you described. Which of those helped you the most, you think? The hustler, the finance guy, which one? So to go back to your first question, Brett, my partner, went to USC 
dancing with me. He was from South Africa. And we're coming up with this idea. And Brett, you know, told his family about this concept. Hey, we're going to open this chain of poke restaurants and we're going to open up a couple hundred in the U.S. And we very quickly learned that we literally knew nothing about the restaurant space. So Brett's father suggested that he would go and talk to a family friend who happened to be a guy named Alan Nathan, who was our third partner. And Alan, also from South Africa, had been in the hospitality business here in Los Angeles. Um, he had done nightclubs and bars and, and some more casual fine dining restaurants. And at the time, he was overseeing F&B operations at the W Hotel in LA. And his chef was a woman named Dakota Weiss, who had just finished filming Top Chef. And so we all sat down for lunch one day, and, and Brett and I pitched this concept that you could poke it. And they loved the idea. It was kind of one of these serendipitous moments because Dakota had mentioned to us that she had never heard about poke until a week before when one of her line cooks brought up the dish to her and said, hey, what do you think about doing this or adding this to the menu? So it was just this like something that came up a second time. And so we became partners, you know, when we conceptualized Sweet Fin, we always wanted to be best in class. And we looked at the great fast casuals like Shake Shack and, and Sweet Green and even Chipotle who are really doing things the right way from building a strong brand, having a strong visual identity, taking fine dining culinary aspects and integrating them into a fast casual landscape. And we knew that the only way for us to achieve that would be to bring on a really strong executive chef to be a founding partner. So we brought Dakota on. She was incredibly talented and created this menu, of course, with our input and our help that was super innovative and really set us apart, not only when we opened, but through the last eight years that we've been around, that we've had you know, menu items that are super unique that you wouldn't find at other fast casual restaurants. And we took like the melting pot of what Los Angeles is infused it with our own creativity and created this what we believe is a California inspired version of poke and that's chef driven. So that was really unique from a culinary standpoint. And, and in terms of my skill sets, I think when you're conceptualizing a startup and then you're running a startup, it, you're wearing a million different hats, as you know. You know, one day you're doing HR, one day you're doing real estate, one day you're doing branding, and, and that could all be within the hour. I think just my understanding of business as a whole, understanding how to read P&Ls, having some literacy in terms of you know, finance, but also having a real estate background through my family, being able to negotiate leases and, and understanding what the real estate landscape looked like and being able to build models that would help us scale and grow and raise money, you know, really helped in the development of, of the company. So even though my experience kind of seems like it's, it's a bit random, it all fits nicely into what I do now, which is being one of the founding members of running this company. That's amazing. And it says a lot about you and your co-founder and convincing someone like Chef Dakota to come in and help make this together because there's been so much saturation in your category since you guys have launched. So many people have tried to do it and you guys are still here and still known as the group is who's still doing it, right? So I think you guys never walked away from that part and I think it helps. Yeah, I mean, we've always stuck to our guns in terms of we want to be consistent. We want to be a premium concept. We talk about being gluten-free. We talk about sustainability. And it's not something we just talk about. It's what we actually practice and preach on a daily basis. We talk about being innovative and chef-driven in our DNA. We do tastings on a weekly basis with our executive chef, our new culinary director. We're not afraid to take risks, but at the same time, we're focus on you know, maintaining consistency and having an excellent product and hopefully really good service that goes along with that. 
you mentioned uh, Sweet Green. Uh, by the way, you look like the Neiman brothers. You could be one of the third or the fourth. Four four houses down from John Neiman, and we talk from time to time. That's amazing. I feel like you guys have done something similar, which is you guys have cultivated an incredible community and following. And when companies like yours or restaurants like yours make a ask to their community, the community says, "Of course, you've given us for so long." Was that always front of mind? Did that happen accidentally? Like, how did you guys, you know, cultivate your community? Who led that charge? Nothing's an accident. When we opened the first location. My partners and I were in the store seven days a week for months on end, and being in the store, we are able to cultivate relationships both with our team members and also the community as a whole. And there are people that I knew their first names, and I still sometimes go into some of our stores and I'll see our regulars. We have a terminology for everything, but our terminology for our guests, our community, our sweet fans, F A N S. Playoff sweet fan, obviously, and our internal team members are a sweet fam, our sweet family. So it's something that is really important to us. We've always been involved in charitable aspects of giving back. We're always hosting donation days. It's something that's again, we like to say we make waves within our communities that we serve. You know, we ask our general managers to get involved as much as possible in the communities that we're in. That's the best way for us to make an impact and for us to build sales is really just having our team members getting involved in the community and being a fixture in the community. That's awesome. One of the whole thing we're trying to do is highlight the brands that are brave and doing things that are cool and pushing the boundaries. In 2018, you guys went exclusive with Postmates, right? You're working with them before you know anyone else. How did you decide to do that? Were you not afraid that you're alienating the other third parties? Love to hear your thought process here because I thought it was the right move. I thought it was awesome, and I'm wondering, you know, what we can all learn from that. Yeah, I think that was an, an interesting moment in time. Going back to 2015 when we opened our first Sweet Fin, we were doing crazy sales numbers, and I look back at our financials and our P&Ls, and it's just shocking to see that I think 99.5% of our orders were in person. This was like before the digital revolution in restaurants, so we had no restaurant technology. We had three people with handheld iPads taking orders, and that's just how things were done. And then I remember when we introduced first-party ordering through Chow Now, and that was a, a big step with no integrations, and we're inputting everything in the POS. And then Uber Eats was the first third party that we worked with, where they would pick up 30 bowls and take them to some distribution center and distribute them, and post. Drivers would come in, order, and pay with a prepaid debit card. So we kind of saw this evolution of the third parties, and we're really at the forefront of what was happening. So we got email. It was the CEO of Postmates, Bastian Lerman. I heard he's a cool guy. He's a super cool guy and very forward-thinking. Um, he emailed me one day in I think 2017. Said we love Sweetfin. You guys are crushing it on our platform. Would you like to go exclusive with us? And I said that sounds great. However, how are we going to make up the revenue with all the other platforms that we'd be cutting off? I mean, said, so, well, let let me fly down to LA and we can discuss that. So he flew down to LA and we had a great conversation. And it was super interesting the way he kind of at the time it's obvious, but how he framed the narrative of what was happening in these third parties, which was DoorDash, Uber, Postmates. We all do the same thing. We all deliver food, right? But similar to the streaming companies, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Paramount Plus. HBO Max, 
they all do the same thing. They stream content, but what separates the different platforms is the content that they're streaming. And we want to build our moat at Postmates by bringing in exclusive content, the best content that people can order. Wow. And that is brands like your Sweepin and we want to do the first. How many locations did you have at this time? I think we had five. Okay, so this guy is the CEO of a very cool tech company is flying out to talk to you at only five locations. That has to feel a little bit good, right? Like that's not something yeah. that you hear about. It was, it was, it was awesome. And so so we kind of got to the one yard line of these conversations and I said, listen, if you're so confident that you can make up the revenue that we're losing through these other platforms, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and, and guarantee it? And he said, okay, we'll guarantee wow. it. So wow. we were the first exclusive partner ever on Postmates. And really, again, as a trendsetter, I mean, now exclusivity, it had its moment a few years ago when it was everyone was choosing their provider. It's DoorDash or Postmates. But, we, you know, we took a fairly big risk, not necessarily financially, because, you know, we had the, the revenue guarantee, but the risk in terms of brand visibility. Absolutely. 100%. So we believed in Postmates. We believed in, you know, the way that they were thinking about growing. We really loved their marketing. It wasn't very cookie cutter. It was custom. It fit in line with what we were doing from a brand standpoint. And they proved us right. They never wrote us a check. We did the sales and it was a great partnership. I mean, I feel like you guys do that a lot. Like you and the company are constantly trying to push the brand. You guys are doing delivery via robots in uh, LA. Is this happening? Is this true? Is this real? Yeah. So we partnered with Coco about a year ago and they're handling all of our first party delivery. Wait, all of it? All of it. Yeah. Wow. So what's interesting about Sweetfin, we've done a good job of saturating, and I don't mean that negative connotation, but saturating the LA market where we have locations basically in every neighborhood. LA is just basically a collection of a lot of small neighborhoods. And so 95% of our orders for delivery are within two miles of our locations, despite the fact that LA is basically urban sprawl. And so we really like Coco as a delivery solution for us. The robots are sitting outside of restaurants. We are dealing with a temperature sensitive product. So the longer that a bag or a bowl sits on a shelf waiting for a driver, the mm -hmm. less it is to a customer. So if we can staple a bag, drop the bag in a robot, have the robot go and get to a customer's door in 15 minutes, and you have that a little bit of a surprise and delight element, then you know it's a great delivery experience and a great delivery experience hopefully results in increased frequency of delivery. So we're really happy with that solution from a delivery standpoint. Have you found your community to be more forgiving because you guys are more cutting edge? Like they're like, all right, you know, this is cool. And even if they drop the ball here, I want to be part of this first mover here. Have you noticed that at all? Not really, no. Um, I think LA is a fickle market just for food and, and everything. Um, we, we have a customer service chat line well i guess this was something else that we did was a little bit cutting edge at least for restaurants of our side we removed all the telephones out of our restaurants a couple of years ago and we basically took all guest communication an outsourced customer service company i believe they're in canada but my partners and i are on every single customer text message that comes through the company. So I'm getting texts all day long from customers that I can just like, if I need to jump. Why would you do that to yourself? You know, you, got, you have to know what's going on. You have Not to know even like, hey, cut it down to give me 10% of what's happening. Crazy. That's crazy. A little crazy. In fact, I think 
Yeah, we, we got one now about- You got one right now? That yeah. is that is impressive. That is yeah. hardcore. Sweet Fin Topanga here is, uh, you can't really see oh, There you go. Oh, uh, I see it. An issue with their order. You know, we're-, we're that, very, I've never heard anything like that. That is we're, intense. We're very, we're very involved as owners. We like to know what's going on. We get our hands dirty. You gotta be in tune with what's going on with your customers. And, and that's a great way for us to do it one day. I'll free myself of the text messages and that'll be a nice feeling, but I'm not ready to do that yet. No one at home upset that this is happening. No one at home is like, please make it stop. I think my wife understands it. I just put the phone on mute and I flip it over at around nine o'clock at night and it's not an issue. That is amazing. That is a very supportive wife. Kudos to her. She should be on the podcast instead of you, but we will make you. You're right. You're right. Who else is out there that is impressive? Uh, you mentioned, you know, Sweet Green, Chipotle, Shake Shack. Who else out there that you're like, you know, I look at them and I'm uh, impressed by them. For us in LA, Mendocino Farms is a great concept. Um, we just signed them. Oh, you did? Yes. Like plug. Plug that's, right there. Let's go. I was looking for, we didn't, we didn't prep offline, but nice plug. Thank you. Very good, great break. Yeah, um, we, we, I'm shocked. I'm so happy to get them. They have such great, great reputation. Well, I told them about our night gambling, and they were they were totally. Did shocked. you really? Do I owe you a cut? Royalties. Uh, we'll, we'll go. How off. is this? How about instant royalty? One trip to Air One every month, which will be the same amount, you know. So we do that. There you go. Another cool. that's crushing it. Um, Air One is great. I look at brands and restaurants that just have a strong following, cult following, and also great consistency. The Sugarfish Group out of LA, they have four or five brands. They're just yeah. consistently delivering great products, super high quality premium products. Goop Kitchen, founder of Mendocino Farms, doing the digital thing. Again, for a digital brand, delivering consistently high quality product. It's super inspiring to see what they're doing. Erwan, even though they're uh, seemingly killing everyone in LA with their uh, plethora of different types of products. With, with their smoothies. With their $22 smoothies. They do a great job. You know, Only in LA, by the way, people would pay $22. Even New York is not that crazy. That's what you think. That's what you think. Till they're, you they're, tried it? I've never tried it. Yeah. So those, those are some of the brands that we look at and really admire. Okay. Uh, important question. You love having people over and you love to cook. Yeah. So when am I coming over and what are you making for me? Um, on camera. On camera. I mean, I'm trying to think of, I did a good farmer's market shop on Sunday. I mean, we're really lucky here in LA. We get the most amazing produce. So I have like a very nice open fire kind of hearth situation in my backyard. If you follow me on Instagram, I probably post a little bit too often cooking different things, but I make, I don't know, I love making steak, just simple cooking, nice salads, roasted vegetables, did a nice roasted, fire roasted eggplant with some tahini and a chili crunch on Sunday. I did a bluefin, seared bluefin, kind of like a tataki bowl. Last night, it would be an honor to have you come over. Do we get our friend from Coco to come over as well? Same time? We could do. Reunion. A Vegas reunion and invite some of the other motley degenerates restaurant crew or adjacent crew to, to this dinner. And we obviously will not be gambling, you know, at your well, home. I, I have someone that can come over and bring cards and also set up a table if we want to do Only that. Only in LA. You guys are you guys are different. You guys are a different level. So you go from 99% of your orders being in store yep. to 50% sales dropping when COVID comes. What are you doing? How are you reacting? What's going through your head? I mean, the first two weeks were really scary. There was no PPP. There 
was no EIDL funding. It's just, I don't know, it was protect the business at all costs. So from a financial standpoint, we just put a freeze on everything, you know, reach out to our, our investors and kind of our advisors and got their opinion on what we should do. But one thing that we really tried to protect and we did protect well was just keeping our managers at our stores and making sure that their pay wasn't docked. Um, and we knew that we'd really have to rely on them to keep our operations going. You know, in, in a lot of ways, flex up and flex down based off of demand of product. Really able to build our labor templates around our managers. And then as we start to get busy again, bring employees back. But, you know, our managers were incredible during especially the first six months of, of COVID. And then we had kind of unfortunate protests that took place in LA, which also, you know, set us back about a month at some of our locations. So it was a really challenging year to say the least. And even now, you know, our business is going really well, same store still, comps are up, but it's just very different than it was before COVID. We're seeing basically really, really strong Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday launch traffic. Mondays are probably 80% there, but Fridays, that used to be our busiest day of the week and now it's our slowest day of the week. I think everyone's gotten used to a, a three-day weekend, at least here in, in LA. Yeah, we're, we're hoping that that changes, but fortunately we made it through. And I think we were the number one or number two most ordered brand on Postmates during the pandemic. So that was, wow. that was really, really helpful. That is amazing. And it's just been incredible to hear so far everything you've shared. Last question. There's a guy named Seth Cohen who started a Seth Cohen project. And he wants to go around and meet all the Seth Cohen's in the world, or in America at least. And you met him. He found you. Hello, how, Seth Cohen. How do you know this? I know. Listen, we come prepared. Yeah, we respect your time. Tell us about the other Seth Cohen you met. Tell us about that experience and tell us why you're the superior Seth Cohen. I can't believe you know about this. So, Seth Cohen, not me. He was hounding me. Like, <laughs> He, it's creepy. I hope, it was, it, I hope he's, not, he's probably watching this, so I'm totally effed. Um, he, he would like LinkedIn message me, he would Facebook message me, like WhatsApp me. Just he was relentless, and I wasn't really like in the headspace at the time to, to meet another Seth Cohen. <laughs> um, it was like right in the middle of the pandemic, and I wasn't really interested in this like creepy guy that kept messaging me, but. Similar to you, he was so relentless that I did end up meeting him with coffee down the street. <laughs> How creepy is that? Did you think it's a scam? I didn't know what was going on, but um, he was he was a little bit weird. Um, and <laughs> I can't believe you're saying this. You're the worst. This is this is your fellow Seth Cohen. We're we're not we weren't we're not both the same. That's why it's so relevant. Well, listen, I'm so happy you met other set coin and you agree you are the superior. You're the best set coin we have ever interviewed. And you guys are, you know, you guys have built an incredible brand, a cult following and an amazing community. And you guys are just teaching the rest of the industry that you can be brave and there's an ROI there and you should continue to do it. So we're grateful to interview you. I'm grateful to know you. And I'm also grateful for the money you've put in my pocket uh, that night in Vegas. And uh, thank you so much for your time, man. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Nabil. Appreciate you. Thank you.